At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. All right, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter, Karan. What's up, man? Happy Easter, my brother. How you doing? What's the what's Easter look like in the Butler household? Like, what's uh, this afternoon going to look like in the uh, Karan Butler house? I'm going to be in the backyard doing the Easter egg hunt. You know, oh, I got gosh. the eggs, I got the yeah. treasures, I got some nice surprises, I got gift baskets, and then I'm going to head on over to work, calling the Lakers game later on tonight, but we're going to keep it busy and funky. Okay, I hear that. Um, my Mine is, uh, I'll be home in a few hours, obviously, and I'll be sitting on my couch eating Chinese food uh, <laughs> and doing nothing else. I, I do not... I do not do holiday food. Like on Thanksgiving, most people are eating turkey. I'm eating, I don't know, a Subway sub. Christmas, <laughs> I, I'm eating McDonald's. I, I'm, I don't do holiday food. Wow. And this, is, this holiday is no different. Wow. No I shot. Wish, I wish you was here, bro. I would take care of you, man. <laughs> no, it's not. I just don't. I can't get. 
like the Thanksgiving is the worst to me because I don't like turkey all that much. I don't like cranberry sauce. I don't like stuffing. I don't like any of that crap. So just give me like you know general gao chicken and I'm good to go. Like that's that's all I need. I can vibe with that. <laughs> it, it's the it's simple things. A, simple things in life. Simple things in life. But uh, glad to be here today with you here and talking about a bunch of stuff. Uh, you watched the games last night. Pretty yep. uh, pretty impressive by Villanova. We can start there. I mean, I want to get to the Ramblers and all that, but Villanova, we talked last week, and, and one of the things I said last week is I thought Villanova was the most complete team left in the tournament, and that beatdown that they put on Kansas last night, that might have been the most impressive win of this whole tournament. It really was, and you talk about the points from the perimeter. Mm. We were just talking about uh, the influence of Steph Curry and what he's meant to the game of basketball, especially over the last... I say four to five years, and people being perimeter oriented, and just stretching the floor as much as possible. You saw that on full display last night with the Villanova Wildcats. Do you see? I mean, we, we see Trey Young is often compared to Steph Curry, and he's like the the poster boy for the uh, you know new Steph Curry generation. Do you see it in, in more than just the Trey Youngs? Are you seeing it in a bunch of guys that that you know that just jack up threes type of mentality. I, I see it more than Trey Young, but I also see it in the style of play for teams and organizations. Mm. You know, it, everything's pick and pop. Everybody wants a, a dirk. Everybody wants a stretch four. Now even a stretch five where you have a perimeter that can step out and make a perimeter shot. So you saw that last night where they just spaced the floor and gave their guys real estate because they have so many playmakers, guys that can put the ball on the floor more than two or three times and facilitating create for themselves. And most importantly, their teammates. And that's what you saw. To beat Villanova, any team that beats Villanova, Michigan's going to get the last crack at it. But to beat Villanova, you've just got to be able to survive that like 18-4, 17-5 type of run they're going to put on you. Every game in this tournament, it seems like they've put one of those runs on somebody. And the ability of a Michigan uh, coming up on Monday, the ability of Michigan to survive that kind of onslaught, it's the only way to do it. Like You can't stop it from coming. It's how you respond to it that is is going to determine if Michigan has any shot to to win this game. Yeah, and and you saw that last night where mm. when they got hit with that onslaught, which you touched on, they they try to respond with one of their own, but the shots wasn't falling. Mm. So unfortunately, that became eleven two runs, 10, 10 two runs, and things like that, which you know spaced the game out a lot. And let's face it, it still was a basketball game. You know, if we're talking game of runs, it still was a decent game until about the six, seven-minute mark where one of the shots did not fall, and then Villanova came back and hit another another three and then got like a transition basket, and then the game just kind of bust wide open from there. So now you just plan just to make sure the score looked respectable. Yeah, and they so they get Michigan uh, on Monday, and Michigan ends the uh, pretty impressive run by, uh, by Loyola, knocking them off. And even when Loyola was up – in the first half, Karan, it, it felt like it felt like it was it was it could evaporate quickly that lead because Michigan was clearly the more talented team. Their size up front was there. They were missing some shots in the paint, but even when they had that, they what they pushed twenty nine twenty two at uh, at halftime with that uh, that last uh, second buzzer beater. It, it just didn't feel like like the other Loyola games. It just felt like Michigan was was capable. Of putting a run on them, and that's what they did. And the the big man in the middle, the big German center, uh, uh, Mo Buckets, there, he was he he just took over the game, and and he his size was was the difference maker in that game. The size was huge, but you know what I saw in the team. When you're talking of Loyola, I felt like they just stopped believing. You know, mm-hmm. 
I, I feel like that energy and that faith and Sister Jean and the whole the whole concept of just, you know, God must be a Loyola fan. I feel like that they was riding that wave until they, they got hit by Michigan. And Michigan was playing at an unbelievable clip offensively, uh, getting into them. You know, they had the lead for the majority of the game. And then once that thing got close and Michigan was able to get over the hump, they did not look back. And it seemed like the the, the belief in the team, they was pressing for the first time. I saw, like, a lot of ball movement. I saw, you know, consistently, like, no matter what happened in this game, we're going to find a way to win this game. We're going to impose our will on this game and get this win. But I did not see that last night. That Mo Wagner is is an impressive kid. Do you see is he an NBA player? I mean, he's he's like six ten, good size, good athleticism. Do you look at does he look like an NBA talent? Yeah, de- definitely look. You know, definitely mm-hmm. look like an NBA talent. But you know, I don't think he's been you know evaluated and watched all this time. But he's definitely going to get his crack at it and his shot if he you know decides to go this 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 lane. And the association definitely gonna have their eyes on him and, and give him a, a, a look. Yeah, yeah he, he. I mean, he was just overpowering physically against that young. The funny part watching the the Loyola team is that they've got a great chance of maybe not being right back in the Final Four, but they're gonna go into next season as a legit ranked team, as um, you know, a, a legit contender to to clearly win their uh, their conference, but also get back in the tournament and make a run. They're not going to be Cinderella next year. I mean, they're that that kid center they've got is is a freshman. I mean, they, they've got a lot of guys that are coming back next year, and, and I don't think this is the last time we've heard from from Loyola. This maybe not the start of like a a dynasty or anything like that, but I think we can get they can squeeze at least one, maybe two more years out of this core group of players and be right back in the tournament next year. I agree. I, I believe like these guys are seasoned and. It, it kind of puts you in, you know, comparisons of you think about Butler University and the run that they had, and they was just, you know, always solid. And Coach Brad Stevens had those guys, you know, together, and mm. then they come back, and oh, there they go again, playing just the the the, the right way, moving the ball, believing in one another, you know, just having active faith on the court. You know, imagine if Sister Jean's gonna be on the sideline rooting them on. This. <laughs> Get used to it because they play the type of basketball that people love to watch. How about Sister Jean bailing early on that one, though? Down like seven or eight. See so her taking off? She, she was done. She was done. It was over. Sister Jean was like, I want to come back from this one. She bailed out, man. She bailed out. What's going on, Sister Jean? Let me find out, Sister Jean, the sore loser. <laughs> Sister Jean didn't want any part of a loss. She only wanted to be there for the wins, man, but... Man, that was a great run, though, for Leo. That was pretty cool to watch them uh, get all the way to the Final Four. By the way, you mentioned Brad Stevens. I watched the Celtics and the uh, the Raptors game last night. And, and up until the last month or so, uh, Dwayne Casey was was going to get my vote for Coach of the Year. He still might. But um, what Boston's done over the last few weeks, going 4-0 on a road trip, beating the two hottest teams in basketball in uh, Portland and Utah in, at home, again, all banged up beating the best team in the Eastern Conference, Toronto. Brad Stevens is making the strongest possible case to be the coach of the year over the final uh, month or so uh, of this season. He is really, I mean, he's making a difference. He is coaching, he is like the sixth man out there on the floor for this team with how he's kind of pushing buttons and drawing up plays. It's neck and neck for me, Karan, right now with the coach of the year vote. I would have to say Coach Casey, Brad Stevens, and then 
you know, you have to give some love to, you know, Portland and obviously Mike yep. D'Antoni and what he's been able to accomplish. I mean, James Harden's going to win the MVP. Yep. And with that being said, you know, they're making a lot of historic runs in Houston. So you, you have to, like, really consider him and what they've been able to do, you know, uh, winning the number one spot in the Western Conference over the Golden State Warriors. And I know mm-hmm. Golden State has some injuries. But getting back to Brad Stevens, the thing that I love about him so much is that when we called the game and we had the opportunity to sit down with him just a couple weeks back, he was talking about adjustments. And so many coaches these days are, like, really stuck in their ways. They don't want to change too much because it's like, hey, this this the way it is. But But he's like, look. Our personnel is big, so I'm going to play big. You know, I don't have a Kyrie out there. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have a smart. I don't have. So this is what we're doing. And then now Jalen Brown comes back, and you seamlessly put him right back into the flow of the game. Mm-hmm. He hits a game winner in Utah. A misdirection play drawn up. He he comes out the paint, pops out right at the top of the key, splash. And then even last night, you look at the play and they're able to win a game like that against Toronto. Man, you got you, you got to take him into heavy heavy consideration. Well, the way I look at it, and I agree with you that D'Antoni deserves consideration. I think Quinn Snyder deserves consideration for everything that's gone on in Utah from from Hayward's departure on down. But I look at it this way: the the team that wins the Eastern Conference, the regular season Eastern Conference. I'm going to vote for that guy for Coach of the Year. And Boston right now, what, a couple of games back in the lost column of Toronto, with one game against the Raptors left, they go up to Toronto on Wednesday uh, to play up there. If Boston can overtake the Raptors, it, it, Brad Stevens has to be Coach of the Year. To overtake the number one seed without your best player in Kyrie Irving, with uh, Al Horford down for parts of a recent road trip, you know, plugging in Shane Larkin and... You know, Abdul Nader and against Utah, like Semi Ojale played played thirty seven minutes. I mean, it was it was insane the type of guys that are being trotted out there and they continue to win. And look, I, I respect everything that Dwayne Casey has done. I, I just think that Brad would have a, would had a better coaching year if they get to if they overcome the rap at the top of the East. That's why it's so impressive. Yeah. You know, that's why it's so impressive that to do it with adversity. Like we, we talked about this last week on the show where Everybody has a plan until they get hit, hit with adversity, hit with, you know, and what what I mean by adversity is all injuries, all things, you know, things that you just unexpectedly didn't expect to happen. But, you know, in this space of sports, it happens. And he's able to counter and pivot and do something else that can still bring out the best in this team. So salute. Yeah, he's impressive. All right, 877-996-6369 is the phone, and we'll talk more about the Celtics-Raptors, all things going on uh, in the Eastern Conference. Kawhi Leonard, he has returned to New York, not to San Antonio, New York, to get another uh, round of tests, I guess, on that injured quad. We'll talk about that. LeBron James with an interesting comment about his MVP candidacy. We'll dive into that as well. It's Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. Who, me? Yeah. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star, NBA champion. If you're like me, 
Not a big fan of uh, holiday meals. Get over to Hooters. You can get to, you got to get to Hooters and try the new smoke wings. It's a whole new way to crave wings, and with all the taste, half the calories, you can eat twice as many at Hooters. So, Karan, one story I saw this week that was that really piqued my interest, and and maybe could be st- a start of an ongoing trend in basketball that could shake up the college basketball landscape, landscape, shake up the NBA landscape. Darius Baisley is a five-star recruit who announced this week his intention to decommit from Syracuse and enter the G League. And he's going to be put in the G League draft pool. He's becoming the first high-profile prospect to pass on the college game to sign a domestic pro contract. Now, we've seen high school prospects like a Brandon Jennings, uh, I guess you can throw the ball kids in there, going overseas and signing contracts. This will be the first high-profile prospect to go to the G League. And look, he's considered you know, a 3 and D type of player. He's 6'9", a lot of versatility, um, projected to be an NBA draft pick. He's going to go to the G League, and he's going to play for like you know, whatever the G League salary is, thirty grand a year, something like that. I'm sure he'll get a lot more in a sneaker deal or get money fronted by an agent. Uh, what do you think of this decision, Karan, of uh, uh, you know, the, the first guy to, to really make this leap? Well, First and foremost, I feel like the G League is a legitimate alternative to college basketball. It really is. And it could set a trend for so many of the youth going forward. Like you look at, all right, we're, we're not able to get these contracts or endorsements or anything. Now the G League is created. It gives you, it gives you a platform to get sponsors and be represented by legal representation. And he's going to be the first to actually do this. Now, you know that we live in a society now where, you know, if somebody does something and it's, and they're successful in doing it, mm. it becomes rather trending rather quickly. So I can definitely see this being the new wave. And if I'm, if I'm college basketball, if I'm the NCAA, I'm looking at this as, as well like, yo, this can be a real threat to having some – real quality talent on our platform. you so, got to be terrified, terrified if you're college basketball for this working out. And I'm honestly surprised, Karan, that we're just now in 2018 talking about this. Now, people have made a big uh, to-do about, well, the G League needs to raise salaries, make it a hundred grand, make it more palatable for some of these guys uh, or appealing for some of these guys to go and and play down there. But the reality is... Like you said, sponsorship, endorsements, that's where the real money is. I mean, they're, a guy like Darius Baisley most likely won't even look at his G League paycheck. It's going to be his money's going to be coming in from somebody else. And look, and look, you played in college basketball, so you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But if I'm an 18-year-old kid and my mind is, is playing in the NBA, that is my sole focus um, over the next few years, it's a no-brainer to go play in the G League because – all these coaches there, they're young, high-level coaches who are viewed as the next generation, who are now almost entirely run by parent clubs. You know, the, all these NBA teams are basically running these G League franchises. If the, if the choice is to go play for these coaches and in this system or go to college and play for, you know, even if it's Duke, Kentucky, whatever, it should be a no-brainer. I mean, the, the G League... It's going to prepare you far better for the pros than anything college basketball could do. That's what I think. 
Yeah, you, you're getting this competition at its, at its finest. And the thing that we always talk about where we're watching the discrepancy of talent and lack of skill set and all these things in the NCAA, it's because of there is a lack of skill set. It is a lack of talent. It is a lack of competitiveness. It's not as competitive as you want it to be, but you're talking about the G League. You're talking about people that had a taste or want a taste of the association that probably been brought up on a 10-day contract who had a chance to sniff that that dream that they're so close to. So every possession matters. The Patrick Beverleys, the the guys like that that come from that 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 space. It's a hunger, it's a desire, it's you know, it's all those things in one. So if you're able to be in that fire and be around that competition is gonna make you be even better or the best that you possibly can be, or you're just not gonna make it. You're gonna know rather quickly whether you belong or not. What advantage I mean, what advantage do you think college basketball is going to have moving forward. Use Zion Williamson as an example. The kid going to Duke next year looks like a, a absolute stud um, head of Duke. What's the upside of going to college versus going to the G League? I mean, what what does Zion Williamson have to gain by going to Duke? Is it as simple as he wants to play in a Final Four? He wants the experience of playing for Coach K. I know LeBron's always said one of his great regrets in life was not being able to go to a Duke or wherever and play for a Coach K. Is that the only appeal that, that college basketball has left? Education, exposure, because you still look at the G League, and even though it's a it's a, it's a a little brother or a little sister company, however you want to phrase it, to the association, it's still not it, – it, it hasn't reached its potential from an exposure standpoint yet nationally, like getting the, the national televised games. and, and But it could dominate a region right now. Definitely, like guys in the teams and players, like in Los Angeles, you're coming out, you're coming to see these teams. That the facility is getting better, the attendance is getting better. But you look at college basketball, you get a chance to get an education. You know that's most important because you know basketball only lasts so long, and then the exposure. You're you're, you're like if you look at a kid like Zion Williamson, he's going to play at Duke. He's going to mm. be on national television every game. The Duke North Carolina rivalry. He's going to be part of that culture and that tradition, you know? So those are the things that jump off the screen at me. But if you're looking at the marathon of your career and longevity and what you're able to accomplish and, you know, getting representation immediately, getting these endorsement deals immediately right out of high school, the G League is a, a, a amazing platform to do that. All right, let me push back a little bit on on some of the things you said about the, the upside of college. I, I'm not buying into education there, at least not for a, for a Zion Williamson and like these guys. Like I honestly respect Ben Simmons to some degree for just basically saying screw it on the second semester of college once they um, at LSU because he knew he wasn't going to stay there, so he just he basically withdrew from uh, from the school. And while we have you know my man Kyrie Irving espousing flat Earth theories and Jordan Clarkson saying dinosaurs were pets for people back in the day, I'm, I'm just I'm not buying into the the one and dones uh, going somewhere. Uh, for education and the exposure part of it, I mean, you're right to a to an audience like like a me, like a, or, or, or a or a casual fan, not somebody studying these guys. Yes, they are far more exposed playing for Duke than they would be for you know the main Red Claws. But to NBA types, I would think you're equally as exposed, if not more, because NBA types 
are going to be able to get their hands on all this footage. And NBA types are going to get to see how a guy plays in an NBA system. So I think you're even more exposed to the people you need to be exposed to by playing in the G League versus playing college basketball. Well, you know, some people pride themselves on finding the diamond in the rough. You know what I mean? Like they, they pride themselves on doing their research and, hey, look, I got the, the, the Jokic. I got this guy. Nobody's seen this guy. I got the Giannis from Greece. I got I got I got this guy that can do all these things: big hands, long arms, uh, two dribbles. He can do the length of the court and finish. You know, they pride themselves on finding those type of guys. But also, if you look at a kid who's been accustomed to seeing something over the years, sometimes people just don't want to walk that plank. People don't want to just do something that's not the norm, because they've been told for years, look, you want to get uh, a, a commitment. You want these colleges to see you on the the, the NY-LA uh, to uh, New York tour and on these AAU circuits and choose you as the top 50 players in the country, the top 50 players at your age group, and you want to go through that process. This is how you know you're the guy. Otherwise, you're going to have – because a system hasn't been created yet. If you have an overflow of guys coming out of high school, that's exactly what it's going to be. So the G League going to get filled up rather quickly, and then something's going to have to filter out back to the NCAA. So it's just – I can see it happening, though. The G League is going to be the route necessarily, but the NCAA still has it for a couple of years or so before that becomes the case. I want to talk some more about this. Also, LeBron James comments. But first, let's find out what's going on in the world of sports. What's happening, Ilo? Great to be with you, Chris and Karan. On the national championship game matchup is set thanks to Villanova's 95-79 win over Kansas as Jay Wright's Wildcats nailed a Final Four record 18 three-pointers. I feel bad for Kansas. They're a great team. We just made every shot. That happens sometimes. But you can't you can't depend on that. And um, we're just fortunate it happened to us tonight. You know, we shoot them up. And we sleep in the streets. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. This was just one of those nights everything went in. Earlier Saturday, the Michigan Wolverines defeated Loyola of Chicago 69-57. to Ramblers head coach Porter Moser reflects on their magical run. It's very hard to end it, but there's no end. Like I told these guys, I said, you know, we're going to be connected for life. I tell them in the recruiting process, you're not making a four-year commitment to Loyola and playing for us. You're making a lifetime relationship. Just ask Sister Jean. NBA Golden State Warriors guard Patrick McCaw was taken off the court in a stretcher after a fall in last night's win at Sacramento when he was undercut by a Vince Carter foul. Chris Haynes reported that McCaw experienced numbness upon landing but has since regained sensation in his leg. The Warriors say chest x-rays and a CT scan on McCaw were clear and that he will have a forthcoming MRI. Finally, in baseball, Yankees outfielder Billy McKinney placed on the 10-day disabled list today with a sprained left shoulder. Giancarlo Stanton will be in left field today for the Yankees when they visit the Toronto Blue Jays about 40 minutes from now. Chris and Karan, back to you. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Karan Butler coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part? Figuring out which way is easier. Put a button on this, uh, Karan. You know, the one thing I hope that this Darius Baisley situation with him going to the G League, one thing I hope comes out of it is maybe it does really push the NCAA 
to change some of their rules on compensation. Now, I, I've, I don't know what the perfect solution to all this is. We discussed this a little bit last week, but you know, whether it's the Olympic model where guys are allowed to make money off themselves or some other solution, this could be just the, just the shove that the NCAA needs in terms of self-preservation. Because if this does open the floodgates, you're right, you'll still have a lot of guys go to college basketball. You'll still have the NCAA tournament be a big deal. But if like the top five guys every single year are going to play in the G League because they care more about getting to the NBA than spending six months on campus, pushing the, uh, this little push towards compensation might be uh, just the thing they need to, to change it. Yep. And I feel like if you're the NCAA, it hurts your brand. It, you're not going to have the best talents on your platform. You can't put out that carrot to uh, entice the, the the talent, the top 50s and things like that, to be out there to Dick Vitale yelling out, there's the new diaper dandy, whereas it's the there's a guy, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, it's going to really affect your brand. And you're looking at all the – like. We touched on this. I don't know what the – it's in the billions, the high billions that, you know, the NCAA is making off mm-hmm. these kids. And that is a problem. Like, you see the coaches being rewarded, you know, millions of dollars. You see the university being rewarded millions of dollars. Um, and you don't see the kids being rewarded none whatsoever. But people say, you know what, well, they, they get the – get the college experience and they they don't get lifetime scholarships though. They don't get, mm. like I said, we talked about the BRI, what we do in, in the association and that's basketball related income. If you think about the basketball related income that comes into the NCAA, into these universities, these kids don't get a cut. And the only reason I'm talking about this is because you think about Michigan, you think about Chris Weber and I remember the Fab five story in the documentary that they did, and Chris Weber said, look, they was walking around my jersey, and I didn't have enough money to go to a fast food spot to get something to eat. Yeah. Like, that is glaring. But the university making all this money off the kids, which is the product, and making more money off the product. That is an issue. You know, the other thing that could improve the or increase the number of guys that skip college is, is that exposure you're talking about. I mean, right now... G League games are broadcast on like YouTube and uh, what is it, Twitch, like the, these social media streams. If top prospects start skipping college, let, let's use the top guys from this upcoming draft. If if uh, DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley or any of the number of guys that are projected to go in the top five, you know, if they had said, screw it, I'm not going to college, I'm going to go play in the G League, I mean, networks will jump on that. Fox Sports would say, you know, Fox Sports in the summertime broadcasts. You know, big three games. Like, you think that Fox or, or NBC or whoever it is wouldn't happily pick up um, the broadcast rights to some of these games featuring high-profile talent? So that's another another big thing for the NCAA to be wary of because if exposure is the one thing that is, that is protecting the NCAA from losing some of these guys, if playing on the big stage on national television and, and all this is the one thing that's protecting them, that can change... Overnight, if, if guys start to really run out, because networks will want to broadcast these top flight talents in their games. And and to second what you just said, I think it's all about brand building when kids go to college. Take a Zion Williamson. He's a guy that this dunk sensation, 
top two players in this class, top two he's players. He's dunking on guys look like me, though, Karan. Like, yeah. they look like me. They, they look well, like just, me, I'm, the guys. I'm, I'm here to tell you, he can dunk on guys that look like me and many <laughs> others, too. Like, he's jumping over the rim. So, with with that being said, like, he has over a million followers already. So, now, you're talking about kids that actually have these brands in the following already. So, now, if you're a Fox, if you're an ESPN or whatever, and you're trying to pull – this talent to be on this platform and you don't want to go to the collegiate level. Now these kids can come over with a massive following already. You're changing the game. That following is not going to the NCAA stage no more. It's following these, these talented kids to whatever stage that they play on. That is the, that, that is the huge carrot right there. If some of these kids start doing that game over. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. All right. Let me ask you about a guy in the association right now, LeBron James this week, he was asked by a reporter, who he would vote for for MVP, and LeBron said him. said, everything I've done, I'm paraphrasing here, but everything I've done this season, the circumstances with this team, I would vote for myself for MVP. Now, I admire the honesty, Karan, and I always feel like people in the media should not beat up on a guy too much for being honest. We want candor from guys. We don't want canned answers and, well, I mean, you know, I'd vote for, you know, there's four or five guys that have had great seasons. I admire his candor there. I do disagree with him, though. I think that James Harden um, has had the superior year. I don't think that LeBron... I, I think LeBron is still the best player in the game. But when you look at the totality of the season, James Harden, start to finish, has not missed a beat. There's only been, I think, one month where he didn't average 30 points per game. You know, he And his team, while James Harden is not an elite defensive player, his team has hovered right around the top 10 in defense all season long, whereas LeBron's has been at the bottom of the NBA. So I admire LeBron for saying that, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hate that he said that, but I think he's he's off base here. I think James Harden is uh, the clear MVP this season. Jeez. Well, I would have to agree with you on that. He is the MVP, clear-cut favorite, and mm-hmm. should win it. He's He's been number two the last four years. And LeBron, you have, you have to understand something. As a competitor in this game, as a guy that dominated this space, still the face of the NBA and still the best player in the game of basketball, what he has to do on a night-to-night basis is second to none. With Coach Lou being out, he has to pretty much coach the team, run the team, sweep the floor, open the gym, get the guys off, (laughs) make the game winners, put them in position, do the press conferences, be, he has to do just about everything. And I understand his position because I watched the way that I, I, I had the opportunity to call the game against uh, Cleveland in the Heat last week. And I watched just the responsibility of LeBron James. Whereas some guys and some players just have to play. All they have to do is just play. Just be the best version of yourself for the 40-plus minutes you're out there, go back to the locker room, get back on the bus. LeBron has to do so much more, and I just don't think we appreciate his greatness sometimes. But with that being said, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, but you – look, you saw him play live last week. When when I see him play live, I see a guy that takes a lot of defensive possessions off. And I don't blame him for that, Karan. I I think that – when you have that much offensive responsibility, you have to sort of 
you know, step off the gas a little bit in the defensive end just to save some energy. But, I mean, when you watch him defensively, like the first three quarters, to me anyway, he kind of loafs out there. Now, he can still dial it up to a 10 when he has to, but... I mean, and this is this is kind of nitpicking to some degree, but if I'm looking at a guy to vote for for MVP, th- that I weigh that, I, I consider that in the in all that that he's not having a very good defensive year. In fact, you can certainly argue this is one of the worst defensive years LeBron's had in his career compared to James Harden's year. Where no, you- well, I mean, look, I, I think that James is still a very average defensive player, but his team is playing pretty good defense this year. Yeah. So I give him some credit for that. I give I I I factor that in. I would just have to say, like like I touched on, LeBron does so much, and then you're talking about the marathon of the season. He still has to be more aggressive on the offensive end in year 15, more than he ever has. Now look, I'm not making a case. I'm just telling you what he's probably thinking in his head. Like, look, year 15, I'm still doing this, showing no signs of declining. And y'all going to question, <laughs> am I the dude still? Like, <laughs> I'm the baddest dude. Like, hey, man, it's Shaft. It's me <laughs> in the flesh. That's his feeling. That's his mood. Like, you can see that. He, like, he has that bounce to his step every time he come into every arena where I know that I'm the key of every scouting report. KYP, know your personnel, people looking at me. And I'm putting on this demonstration. I'm going to give your fans and everyone the LeBron James experience night in and night out. You know I'm about to pull off a demonstration. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's me. I pulled up at the YMCA. I told seven guys to get in the van. And I told them, they said, where are we going, LeBron? I said, to the NBA Finals. (laughs) I tell you this much. He is, at a bare minimum, firmly entrenched at number two on that MVP vote, having one of the, uh, a, like you said, a remarkable offensive year, considering how long he's been in the league, considering his age, and considering how much he has to do. Uh, there's no question uh, about that. All right, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Mannix and Karan Butler. When we come back, I do want to get to some comments that Steve Kerr made with respect to the ongoing situation uh, out in Sacramento. Steve Kerr was asked in kind of a pointed way about the Warriors' decision not to attend uh, the protests in Sacramento. Play that audio for you next. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, two-time All-Star NBA champion, Karan Butler. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore, with True Price from True Car. Now you know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Well, this past week, uh, Sacramento Kings games uh, have been affected by the protests surrounding the uh, tragic death of Stephon Clark out in the Sacramento area. Uh, most people have been following this story, but to recap it, the uh, Sacramento police shot and killed uh, what turned out to be an unarmed black man in the uh, Sacramento area, shot him 20 times, and that has uh, expectedly spurned some uh, protests there. Now, Matt Barnes, the former Sacramento King, he uh, was organizing a a protest in the Sacramento area. And the Golden State Warriors, who are a very socially active team, as we know, uh, not afraid to to join stuff like this, express opinions about stuff like this. They didn't attend. They were in Sacramento to play uh, the Kings, but they didn't attend uh, the protests on that day. Uh, Steve Kerr 
was asked about the decision not to attend. Here's what he said. You don't think there's a contradiction there when you talk a lot about race or an issue like that, but then there's a march or somebody gets killed and you don't actually show up? You're serious? Yeah, I am. Okay. It's, it's up to each individual, you know, if he is going to pick his spots uh, to make his contribution to society. I'm very confident and comfortable in my own skin and our players' lives, uh, what they do for our communities, the way they speak out, the way I've spoken out. I feel very, very confident in uh, what we've tried to do. And I'm also very, very serious about my job. And uh, so you can balance that any way, which way you want. You can be accusatory if you'd like. I'm comfortable with with, uh, what our team does and with what I do. Karan, that was an idiot question. I mean, there isn't there isn't a team in the league that's more socially active, that embraces um, wading into difficult topics, polarizing topics more than the Golden State Warriors. Like, there's a contradiction between for them not going to this this uh, this rally, this protest. I didn't really understand that question at all. Man, listen, and and I totally agree with you. When you talk about the Golden State Warriors and what they elected to do, you know, in the stands for, you know, equality and, uh, you know, just trying to empower, you know, the less fortunate as much as possible. When you talk about them not visiting the White House after being the champions, um, going to a, a, a D.C., a DMV neighborhood in, um, in Prince George County, and that's Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., and just getting out there. And just trying to empower, you know, so many, uh, so many people. I think that that was a uh, that was just a off the line comment and a question. And you know, Steve Kerr has been a guy. Him and that organization have just always stepped up to the bell and, and always rung it when it comes to you know inequality and doing what's right. Kevin Durant donated ten million dollars to Prince George County students. Like, I. I uh, how you can look at a team and a group of players that does some of the things you set and more with a player that donates $10 million and criticize them for not attending a protest in Sacramento. I, I have no doubt, Karan, in the coming weeks and months, we're going to hear about Golden State Warriors players doing something, whether it's for the family or that community. Uh, they'll do something. It, it just seemed like whoever was asking that question had an agenda and, and was looking to evoke some kind of response from Steve Kerr that that would fit the narrative he was pushing. And you know what? Listen, the, be- the best form of giving is a, a, anonymous. And so many times people yeah. always, you know, post things on social media and things like that to to kind of ride the wave of whatever. You know what I mean? And, you know, I've known so many guys, you know, Kobe Bryant, for example, did so many things for – the homeless community here in Los Angeles, and never, you know, he never posted about it. Even he had 20 million plus followers. He was never diving into that space doing that. And I know that in particular, uh, a defending champ, uh, uh, Matt Barnes, who played for the Golden State Warriors last season, he was out there pretty much leading this march and rallying people to come and help collect the chairs after they do this demonstration. And he's actively out there because he is from Sacramento. So, you know, it's a lot of warriors and former warriors out there being active when people don't even understand that they're active. 
Do you see the video that Barnes posted? Like that was like a vintage Matt Barnes video, like not safe for work kind of video. Yeah, it was, I, it, it, it was it was it was real. It was powerful. It came from the heart, and that's exactly what it is. Sometimes you can't like tiptoe around the facts or what need to be said, and that's exactly what he did. All right. We'll get back into this a little bit later on. Karan played out in Sacramento's last NBA stop. Want to talk more about that. Doug Gottlieb, he's going to join us next hour. It's Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, hour two. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, two-time All-Star NBA champion, Karan Butler. Karan, we didn't even talk about the biggest story this past week. Anthony Davis shaved his brow. Man. Oh, my. It's over. The brow is over. Oh my! I gotta, I got I gotta look at the uh, no. his Instagram and see no. what it looked like. Oh, it actually looks pretty good. I mean, the brow. I know he was identified as the brow, but that thing was that was not good. Oh <laughs> that was just not God. a good look. It was. I'm it was like it sloppy. But he did. He put a Twitter poll out there and asked his fans if uh, he should shave the brow, and I think it was by a total of fifty-one to forty-nine percent. It was yes. So we uh, went on. The, Twitter and uh, you know, shaved the brow, knocked it all off, cut the uh, cut the, cut out the middle there, and I, like I said, I think it looks pretty good on him. I'm checking it out right now, uh, <laughs> man law. Uh, it looks yeah, it looks good. <laughs> it's passable. That's what it is passable <laughs> right now. So the brow is no more, but Anthony Davis is still one of the best players uh, in all of basketball. Broadcasting live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com. For a free rate quote today. A little bit later on, we're joined by Doug Gottlieb, host of the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, uh, FS1 basketball uh, analyst. We'll ask him about the championship game coming up. Michigan, uh, they take on Villanova. Michigan's had kind of an improbable run of their own. I don't know how many people projected Michigan to be in the championship game uh, this year, but Villanova, Karan, you know, the, the, this team just looks like a juggernaut out there with what they can do offensively. And it's not like. You know, with Duke, it's like you, you stop Marvin Bagley. Or with Arizona, it's slow down DeAndre Ayton. With, with with Villanova, from the games that I've watched them, there's like five guys out there that could go off at any given time and, and throw a bunch of three-pointers down at you. I have, you know, I, I respect Michigan for coming back and, and winning that game against Loyola, but I have a hard time, I have a hard time seeing Michigan stopping what Kansas couldn't stop, what everybody in the Villanova region couldn't stop. I mean, that offensive... The ability to burst out offensively like they have, I, I don't I have a hard time seeing Michigan hold to keep up with that. Yeah, and you know, you look at the coaches, you know, and I'll start with Jay Wright since we're talking about Villanova and yep. what you know Brunson. He's been amazing. Um, come from a background, his father played in the association. Look at Bridges and you know Booth and you like you said, you know they can hit you from so many directions and they have so many different guys. That can make shots on the perimeter. So they space you out, and then they have so much real estate because not only can they make shots on the perimeter, but most importantly, they can create shots for themselves and others. And I think that's the versatility in, uh, that you need in order to be a really good team. And they have so many guys that's capable of just breaking you down and, 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 and making it happen on the big stage. You know, one thing I was thinking about in in the context of our, our, our discussion about you know, Darius Baisley, the Syracuse recruit who's going to the G League to play there for a year before going into the NBA draft. In a weird way, while if this turns into a trend, it could cost college basketball a lot of its stars. In a weird way, maybe it actually makes the college basketball game better because 
you know, look, I, I love watching the back and forth of college basketball, but can we agree that college basketball sucks? Like, the game itself is not good. Like, it, Michigan had 22 points at halftime. Like, and it's not because Loyola was playing great defense out there. They had 22 points at halftime because these games are sloppy. And, 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 and by and large, in college basketball, the elite teams, they're being, you know, fronted by freshmen. So if some of these top recruits decide to go and play in, in the G League for a year, maybe that opens up, uh, you know, upperclassmen like the, like the Jalen Brunson, like some of the guys on Villanova, the, these kids that stay in school for three, four years and increase the skill level of college basketball, increase the, the knowledge of fundamentals of college basketball. Maybe that can be a benefit. Am I wrong there? You're not wrong. You know, it could be a benefit, but in the big picture, I think what you're seeing, the reason why you're seeing the kid not decommit from Syracuse and go to the G League is to make a statement for the next wave of talent. Mm-hmm. And that's the big picture. It's, I mean, the biggest picture is the skill set and all these other things, but also the NCAA has to start breaking people off, man. That's that's the moral of the story. Things have to change from a systematic thing. Like, mm-hmm. it has to be better going forward. And it's never truly been a- addressed because there's no reason to address it. It's just comments. It's just things that people feel. They throw it out there, and there's nothing else behind it. It's no real resolve. But now you start losing, you know, game-changing talent, and, and, and that's why people really watch, this, watch the uh, NCAA that's going to be an issue for them going forward. Look, we don't have the content to draw people in. Now they're starting to draw into the other platforms to see these guys play. We have to tweak something, and that's that's the big picture. What do you think has to happen to Darius Baisley next season to, to start the ball rolling towards this becoming a trend? Like what is it the amount of money he can make? Is it the exposure that he gets? Is it where he's drafted uh, in the 2019 draft, what do you, what's the what's a win for for Darius Baisley in terms of encouraging other guys to do what he did? I, I feel like you just asked to answer the question. It's the draft, it's the exposure, it's the amount of money, is how successful he can actually be. You know, with this transition, you know, can his brand continues to continue to build? Can this be a successful trend where we look back and we're gonna we're gonna see Zion Williamson because he's going to Duke. But we're also going to see Baisley because he's going to the G League and we're going to see with legal representation how his career is going to get a little bit more of a head start from a competitive standpoint. He's going to be playing against the best competition already, grown men. How is that going to help his career? Going to have access to NBA coaches and work on his skill set, give him a head start in that space. Is that going to help him be better? All these things are going to be – you know, evaluate it, and then you're going to look at the numbers because everybody's so analytical now. So you're going to look at the numbers and look at, okay, Zion did this and he did this and what is it? Okay, and at the end of the picture, this is what it looked like. Okay, this is success. All right, guys should take this route. This is a great route for some of the young guys in the game to go. Why do you think it's taken this long for a guy to to try this for a, t- a top ten five star blue chip recruit going to a blue blood school like a Syracuse? Why I think it's taken this long because you know on paper, Karan, it's a no brainer. I mean, especially for a guy 
that is singularly focused on playing in the NBA. I'm not talking about the the four-star recruits that that go that want to play in the NBA but aren't really sure they can. Uh, but for these like you know these blue chip guys who are are destined to be there no matter where they play the following season. Why is this not happened more? Why is it not a no-brainer? Because of all the things you said are dead on. The, the coaching that you get there, the chance to make some money, the chance to focus entirely on basketball, to not worry about you know class and, and, and NCAA stuff and and all the little things. Now, granted, there's a lot of fun in going to college. I, I give you that. But you know, why have we not seen more guys do what Darius Baisley's trying to do? Because you haven't really seen a, a legitimate contender to the NCAA. You see so many leagues and things and platforms formed, but you're you, if you're a young talent, you always been discouraged or pushed away from taking that route. That doesn't make sense because it's a it's a it's a, it. To be honest, it's a dirty, dirty business, and you have to understand that sharks in the water can't swim in the pool. That's the that's the business. That's the business of the NCAA and. I think guys are starting to wake up because you have influences out there that's being so proactive and talking about things that isn't right about the association. Guys that actually been, you know, through it. Myself, going to the University of Connecticut, understanding that I was a marquee player while in college and I could have had this type of influence. But I was struggling, but the university did so well. Seeing guys like LeBron James speak on the injustice of guys being on this platform and not being compensated, you know? Seeing guys like Jason Williams talk about a 60 Minutes piece that was done almost 25 to 20 years ago, talking about the brands and, you know, how the coaches and the universities are being compensated at an amazing rate in the millions in the universities and obviously the NCAA making billions and then the kids not being compensated. You know, they're actually being discouraged. They're actually being uh, uh, influenced to be retained on that platform to continue to drive the numbers of the NCAA. That is an issue. You and, had um, you had a successful college career. You had, you know, you, you had some success. Team went to the Elite Eight. You, you made the Big East teams. Had a very good college career before you went to the pros. But knowing what we know now about what the G League is and potential advantages for it, if if a Zion Williamson type asked you, you know, what should I do? Should I go to Duke or should I go to the G League draft and spend a year there? What would you tell him? BB, G League. <laughs> Gone. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Gone. BB, Road Runner. You out. <laughs> like, I, I think it's, it's not even a question because – it's funny you mentioned Zion because of his influence and where he stands at with his uh, his following and his brand. He's already uh, you know a marketable guy. He's a brand people want to be like the young kids. He has so much influence already, and then now all you're looking at for him is just to develop his skill his skill set. He's extremely athletic. Um, he need to understand about regiment and things like that, being consistent in that space, knowing what to put into your temple, meaning what, what to eat, you know, um, getting that shot together, perfecting it. You know, once you're a, a, a little brother company for this organization, whatever team that you're playing for in the G League, now you're going up to these games and you're seeing guys that possess the same athleticism as you, so you're understanding if you're a true basketball mind, how do I get my shot off against 
someone just as athletic as me? How do I create space? How do I get into the paint? How do I draw fouls? How do like you learn all the ins and outs of the game at its highest form? Because right now he's going to go to the NCAA. He's going to dominate just off the physical ability, what he's been given, uh, blessed with from God. That's what he's going to do. He's going to dominate. He's going to be in the system that's going to feature him, and he's going to dominate. All right, we'll take a break. We'll ask Doug Gottlieb about this. Doug Gottlieb show, uh, Fox Sports 1, basketball analyst. He's plugged into the college basketball scene. We'll also get Doug's thoughts on the championship game and, of course, the run that Loyola had into the uh, Final Four. Can they duplicate it next year? Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, two-time NBA All-Star, NBA champion, Karan Butler. So Doug Gottlieb, one of the best in the business. Doug Gottlieb show weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio. Also FS1's basketball analyst. And Doug, we've been uh, we've been talking about this Darius Baisley story. Kid that's going for the G League, passing on Syracuse. And Karan said before, you, uh, before the last break that if he could advise a Zion Williamson to either go to the G League or go to Duke, he said immediately, go to Duke or go to the G League, no brainer. Do you think this Darius Baisley situation could be the opening of the floodgates for something that, that could lead to a lot more guys doing it? No, and I think it's a huge... I, I would completely disagree with with Karan in terms, especially in terms of Duke. Um, because, I mean, what's... Like, Kyrie played, I don't know, was it eight games at Duke? And he was he was fine. It, it provides you... Like, look, it's it's like, uh, remember the movie Skulls, right? It's like you get the keys to the kingdom to where if it doesn't work out, you're going to end up on TV or coaching or around the Duke program anyway. Um, and, like, would you would you rather play in Rio Grande Valley or play in Reno or play against Carolina, against Virginia, play the NCAA tournament? By the way, I mean, Zion Williamson, uh, it is no locked up cinch that he's going to be a good pro, let alone a great pro. I mean, he's... 6'5", 270, with, that doesn't shoot particularly well right now. You, you tell me where that fits in. So um, in terms of the Baisley thing, th- this has always been an option. He's the first one to kind of officially explore the option in this way. Uh, there's a kid at Iowa State. This goes back, I'm going to say, like 10 years ago. He got kicked out of Iowa State as a point guard. He went to the then D-League, and he, got, he was a second-round draft pick of the Clippers, I believe. Uh, was was probably the first to really go this route, but we've seen you know Brandon Jennings go overseas. A couple other guys. Ferguson went to Australia, which I think is a that's actually a great place to go because you're kind of out of sight, out of mind, totally about player development. And he got drafted in the first round by the Oklahoma City Thunder. We, we've seen a one off. I just I don't think it's I don't think it's great for an 18 year old kid to be put in an environment where you're around grown men. Like go around other 18 to 22 year olds. Um, no, I, I don't love the development of playing within a zone, but I do think that you're better off playing for a guy who's developed young players for his entire professional life in Jim Beheim and his staff. If you want to play there a year, play there a year. It only helps promote your brand. I know he bet, yeah, by the way, you get a great experience. And if something goes wrong, in worst case scenario, you got to stay a couple more years and you go to a really good school and have a really good time. So I think, uh, do I think it's, it's something we'll pay attention to? Sure, but we've seen others. We've seen a handful of others take a shot at some form of professional basketball. I got I got to jump in right now and, and say I totally agree, disagree with Doug on that one. And you know when we're talking about big picture and we're talking about Zion, and we're talking about 
where his true competition is going to come from, Doug. If you're looking at the NCAA and you're looking at the G League and the ultimate goal is to be in the association, be in the NBA, and we look at 18-year-old kids, we're talking MLB, we're talking about golf, you don't want them to be around grown people, but that's how you develop the true competitiveness. Can you play on this platform? He's going to dominate the NCAA. There's no one to his physicality that can match up to him, that can push him. And then you look at the coaching bench. What guy that looked like him that can teach him the skill set at the highest level besides Coach K? He's not going to be out there in the individual sessions showing him footwork, showing him the jump hook, showing him things like that. But if you go to a G League team and you're a, a little brother to an organization, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's whoever, you're going to have pros coming in teaching you how to drop step, people you respect. That's just my take on it. What's your take on that? Well, look, I, I, do think, I, I do think that in terms of player development, there's pluses and minuses to both. Uh, one, I think the all-around person gets developed better in college. Second of all, okay, so Duke staff now has Nate James and has Chris Carwell and has Nolan, and has Nolan Smith. <laughs> so I, I actually think those guys are, are, are pretty good. Uh, they're pretty good. So, <laughs> Carwell's um, going, who? What? Who? 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 Okay, I mean, like, Nate played at Duke, Chris Carroll played at Michigan State at Duke, and Nolan Smith played at Duke and played in the league. So, I mean, I, I, I think they're pretty good, and they're all young. And, like, look, here's the thing with Zion. Like, if, if we want to focus on him because he's like the YouTube sensation, he's far and away the third best of those prospects that are going there. R.J. Barrett is better. That, that dude needs college. He needs to learn how to play hard, how to compete on defense. He, he needs – he needs work on his jump shot. On his, he needs to be. I guess he's going to have to be an undersized four if he plays. He needs to learn how to run out, rebound out of his zone. Now, look, there's no reason he can't do all those things. And I, I think maybe the one disappointing part of Duke is I kind of feel like Mike Shashevsky waved a little bit of the white flag this year. He was struggling to get these freshmen to defend, so he just put them in the zone. Uh, but you know, look, I think the all-around person gets developed better in college. You make friends and relationships for life. They're going to help you beyond college. And, yeah, the, the, the goal is still to go to the league and be successful in the league. And nothing going to college for years is not going not to stop that in any way. It hasn't stopped any of these guys from performing well at the next level. None of them. But what it does provide is the opportunity where if it doesn't go well, you can, you can keep going back to whenever you don't want to go back. And, uh, and, you know, like, look, if Duke's bad at player development, why are, there, why are some of their guys now that are one and done doing quite well? So I, I just, look, I've I played in minor league basketball, Karan, I don't think you ever did just because you were much better. <laughs> and I can tell you it's not the place you want to be straight up because when you get there, all anybody, no one wants to be there. They just want to be in the league. And it, it doesn't develop the type of, of team-first mentality that you want. I mean, look, I watched Villanova last night, and I'm like, there's a reason that you know, Jalen, like, I think Jalen Brunson probably athletically normally wouldn't make an NBA roster. But because he's developed so much as a player defensively, the shot making, the post-up skills as a guard, like, he's somebody I would much prefer on my team to some of the more athletic versions at the point guard spot. I mean, you look at what, what has happened with Josh Hart and the culture he's brought to the Lakers. Like, dude, Josh Hart's a 6'2" kind of three, four man in college. And now he's a guard and the Lakers 
love him. So I think if you take the type of athleticism that Zion Williamson and and, and R.J. Barrett has, and you, you put them around the culture of a college program, which you're at least trying for a short period of time to talk about the team and, and a winning mentality, as opposed to the mentality of the G League, which is simply get your skills better, get buckets, and get on to the NBA. Like, dude, anybody who's played in minor leagues, like, it's not – it's first of all, it's just better. It's just better. It's better for your brand building, but it's just a better lifestyle in terms of the facilities and the workouts. I know you get to spend some time with certain teams around an NBA roster, but you're not in the NBA. Okay? You're, you're, you're traveling on buses and you're flying commercial as opposed to the lifestyle of playing in Duke. You, you give me Duke or Syracuse or the G League, it ain't close. I played at Oklahoma State. I played for a Hall of Fame coach. I played in the USBL, the ABA, the IBA, and the CBA. It ain't close. And if you have the option, why not, why not use the option of college if you're so, if you have to use the G League eventually, fine, use it. But it is something that we're going to pay attention to. I, I Sorry, totally Doug agree with you, uh, Chris. I'm going to let you ask the next question, but just the, the one and done, the one and done guys like Kyrie, which you touched on, Doug. Games played by Duke, eleven games started eight. I I don't think that made a huge difference for his trajectory going forward in his career. Correct. No, I listen. I I agree with you, but I do think that look, he's you're still a Dukey. And you can always go back there. You can always get a degree, and so much better. Like my, my my big thing is, I think we we have we do get lost in how we still have a huge problem with education inequality in our country, and to to these guys who are going to be millionaires and maybe beyond. I mean, look at what LeBron's doing in his community. He understands there is a value there to getting a college degree. And even if you don't get a college degree, just simply being around college, being around people who are going to run the businesses of the 21st and 22nd century, I, I, just, I think there's a lot of value there that we're, we're underselling. You, you, tell, you give me, and Kyrie only played a handful of games in the NCAA term before they got beat by Arizona. Uh, but th- those experiences are ones that last a lifetime. Nobody can even tell me who won the G League. The only thing I know about the G League last year was, uh, who was it? Uh, Stack. Stack's team won it. I don't even know if it was the Mad Ants or who the hell he coached. Like, look, I, I can't tell you Raptors anything 905. Else about Raptors 905. Raptors 905. There you go. There <laughs> you go. We're talking to Doug Gottlieb, host of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays, 3 to 6 Eastern time here on Fox Sports Radio, where, where I, 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 kind of find a, I come down kind of in the middle because I've been to a bunch of main Red Claws games. Don't ask me why. But I've seen the style of play isn't very good. It's sloppy. But I think the individual coaching that you're getting in the G League is a little bit better than what you're going to get even at the highest levels of college basketball because you are getting NBA coaches down there that are getting your hands on them, but I can see no, both no, sides. You're, no, you're not. Sure, you are. Come on, who's, who's the coach of the Red Claws? Austin. Uh, Austin uh, Brandon. Uh, Brandon. What's it? Uh, who is now back in on on Brad Stevens' staff right now? Who, who served right, on I, Brad's staff for the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, like you're getting an assistant coach who's never been a head guy. You tell me that's better than Mike Shashevsky. Look, in if, terms if, of preparing if, for if a you pro, wanna, if you want to, if you want to make, if you want to make the case, if you want to make the case, and it'd be a good one that some of these college coaches refuse to evolve in terms of their styles offensively and defensively. I'll go with that. I'll agree that Tom Izzo is still struggling to embrace the three-point line and spread the floor out the way we see Villanova do it, we saw Loyola do it, the way we see Michigan do it. But if you really think that the coaching you receive on an individual level is better in the G League than it is at Michigan for Beeline and at Michigan State and at Duke, like, good luck with that. I would – I. I, would, I 
I think I would I would say ninety nine percent of people in basketball would greatly disagree. And the the easiest reason, easiest logical reason is, or, or um, proof is, like tell me where they're drawing the G League coaches from. Okay, where they're drawing the G League coach from. Those are guys that are not yet ready to be on the bench of the NBA teams, let alone be head coaches. I'm not saying those guys aren't young and up and coming and they're bright, and some of them have been around the NBA. But it doesn't compare to the quality. Well, that's of what they are, though, Doug. Like they are twenty-two-year-old kids that you're. De- it's different in your development of an eighteen to twenty-two-year-old kid at the college level than it is uh, a, professional, a professional. But that's what player. these guys. That's what these coaches are, Doug. They're rising stars in the coaching ranks, or at least you know projected rising stars. Chris Finch is one of the most. Uh, is going to be one of the most sought-after assistants to become head coaches. He began his rise in the G League. No, they're not household names by any stretch. You no, know, I, I understand, but they're not. They're not experienced in. Developing those type of players, they're getting their own experience. I'm not saying they're not good, but I'm you're saying the coaching they're getting is better in the G League than it would be playing at a major university, and that's just that's just not true. Uh, now, not not everyone. Like I don't think Ben Simmons was particularly well coached. On the other hand, his you know his um, his his godfather David Patrick, his godfather David Patrick, who you know played. Uh, in the Australian Professional League, was coaching him. They were working him out daily. But I, look, I, I just I think you're greatly diminishing the quality. I, so I mean, like the assistant coaches that were in the NBA, Karan, they were better than the coaches than than playing for Jim Calhoun and for his coaching staff. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm being honest speak, with you, doesn't Doug. Speak, like, doesn't, speak, doesn't speak very well for the. I mean, I think UConn's done a pretty good job of developing players. They've done an excellent um, job, but we're we're talking we're talking in that situation in that facts. I, I'm I'm looking at usually you're going to have somebody with the credibility and the longevity in a couple spaces when you're talking about assistant coaches. You're going to have someone that had traveled and it appreciate the whole body of work of the longevity of the NBA. So you're going to have a journeyman at the end of that bench. You're going to have someone that worked their way up from film like a Eric Spostra, who is the head coach of the Miami Heat, but you're going to have someone like that in that secondary seat also. And then you're going to have a familiar face who you can recognize, who you're totally comfortable with, that been around, that's super relevant. And then you're going to have the head coach guy who obviously embodies all those things. And then behind you, you're going to have guys in each particular position. But that, that's, not, that, that's not what you get with Ryan. You're talking in the NBA, on an NBA bench. If yes. They're not playing in the NBA. They're playing in the G League. And the G League, you don't have the six or seven incredibly experienced coaches like you're describing. But you're going to have still, a ton of experience, Doug. You're still going to have – they're not just going to throw, pull, you know, whatever you guys, on the I, sidelines. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in front of a computer. Pull up a roster, pull up a roster of a G League team and tell me the, the coaches who are on any G League roster. And, again, like I have, I have friends, as you guys do, that coach on G League teams. But, like, if, if you want to – I mean, I, I just you just completely diminished Nate James, Carwell, and Nolan Smith. Like that's a really good staff. If I'm a young player and I want to develop, because all three of those dudes play professionally, they're all young and they all get after it. Like, you know, I, I just look. This is this is a wall argument. Obviously, we're not we're not going to solve any problems. <laughs> what else you want to get to? <laughs> we can agree to disagree. That's that's cool. That's we're what it's about. The, we're up against the break, Doug. Quick thirty seconds. Uh, who you got yeah. tomorrow night? Nova, um, yeah. you know, look, the we agree on that. Really good. I mean, and 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 oh yeah, by the way, they developed a whole lot. I mean, it it helps that Divincenzo, Bridges, uh, Spellman, 
um, have all kind of redshirted. And Brunson, Brunson's the maestro. And I'm trying to figure out if he's Andre Miller, smaller Andre Miller with the jump shot. He's not quite Mark Jackson because he's not Mark Jackson big. He's he's you know he's kind of a minus as an athlete, but a plus everywhere else. And this has been a great celebration of a team that plays 21st century basketball, embracing the three point shot, but they also defend. And they, you know, they they shrink the court on you. Uh, they're just, I think they're better than Michigan. I, Michigan's wings are a little bit better, maybe than than Phil Booth. But outside of that, I like every other matchup, honestly, uh, or or every other matchup is is even at worst for Villanova. I think Nova wins fairly handily in the second half. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays three to six Eastern Time, Fox Sports Radio. Also, Doug is on FS1, the basketball analyst there. Doug, great stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, guys. All right, appreciate it. That's Doug Gottlieb, Fox Sports Radio, joining us here uh, on the show. All right, let's find out what's going on in the world of sports. David Gascon, what's happening? Guys, good morning or good afternoon on the East Coast. Uh, you guys talk a lot about college basketball. And Villanova tomorrow night will be a six- G League talk, man. A lot wow. of G League talk here on the show. Listen, I appreciate it, and, and the biggest reason for that is because I'm a huge baseball fan, so I, I enjoy the fact that some of these guys, if they're not at the professional level at the major leagues, they're still professionals at a lower level, whether it's A, double AA, A, triple A. So if we can do that some way with the G League, I mean, there's a ton of talent. So if you want to keep it here nationally as opposed to having these guys going internationally, I'm all for it. Just got to figure out a way to take care of them, monetize it, and, of course, take care of their insurance if these guys get uh, banged up at all. Um, talking about the national championship game tomorrow night, Villanova, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. It's the largest spread since 2010 when Duke was favored by seven against Butler. And Villanova's been favored in every game here in the 2017-2018 campaign. So, should be rather interesting. In uh, Major League Baseball, Brian Dozier with a solo home run for Minnesota. You have four runs already. They lead in Baltimore 4-0 there. Cubbies and Marlins just underway. There's no score just yet. Gregory Polanco with an RBI double in the bottom of the second inning. Pittsburgh leading Detroit 1-0 in that doubleheader. Cardinals and Mets just underway. There's no score Dodgers scored five runs yesterday. We'll see if they do it again today. They get San Francisco tonight in Los Angeles. Back to you, fellas. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports. Karan Butler, two-time NBA All-Star, NBA champion. You and Doug, Karan, I don't think you're ever going to agree on that one. But I do think you took him off guard there uh, when you said that you know NBA assistant coaches, low-level assistant coaches, are better at development than Jim Calhoun. Now, obviously not a shot at Jim Calhoun. Jim Calhoun is a fantastic college coach but where i disagree with doug and it's on the same level that you do is that you know these guys are legitimate nba coaches they may not be the elite you know you may not be getting brad stevens coach you but in the case of the main red claws you're getting brad stevens disciples and you're getting direction from the celtics the celtics you know they they are the direct affiliate with the red claws you know they're telling that team, how to run its system. They're looking at the tape of these players and advising their coaches accordingly. Moreover, you're also getting, you know, daily hands on basketball uh, coaching. Where in, in college, you know, look, I don't know how many of these guys are like going to class on a regular basis. Some are, I'm sure, but some are just, you know, like Ben Simmons and just totally focused on the game. But in college, there are other things. You get up early and go to a class, you're doing some other things, you go to the G League. And it's all basketball all the time. I don't know how that's not an advantage over going to Duke or anywhere else to play college basketball. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I, I'm not I'm not saying that the the G League coaches are better than Jim Calhoun. I'm saying the others, the assistants. Yes. You're talking about the assistant edges, the the assistant coaches. Jim Calhoun is a Hall of Fame coach. 
who am I to question anything? What he's done, he's the closest thing to a father I ever had. But, but was Jim Calhoun correct? Was Jim Calhoun when you were there? Jim Calhoun was trying to win college basketball games, and he was trying to develop you as a basketball player in general, but as a college basketball player. I mean that his I would imagine his priority wasn't necessarily let's make Karan the best NBA prospect possible. Whereas in the G League, that's kind of what they're doing. That's kind of what they're paid to do. Yeah, and and they're developing your skill set. They're developing you know so many things that pertains to the position that you're going to play going forward in your career. So what I was saying to Doug is that when you when you look at some of the the coaching staff and you look at some of the guys that's on and, and it's not a knock like you can disagree or, or agree or whatever the case like my wrong isn't you know whatever you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I'm looking at the talent and I'm looking at the scale of guys that been in the association and their sweat equity into the game of basketball and it's a ton people don't understand it's a wealth of experience on these G League benches. I'm talking about people that forgot more than we'll ever know in the game of basketball. And they're here yep. inserting it in these guys. And the competition is second to none. Like, people look at guys like Patrick Beverly and come up from the G League, and they're like, yo, why do these guys play with the edge? Now, granted, he's from the, the Chicago, and he grew up a little rough and things like that. But he's been on a platform for years where they just compete at a level that's second to none. And some of these players that's coming from the NCAA and going from high school to the NCAA are so dominant from a physical standpoint, like Zion Williamson, like Bagley and these guys, like they're not really going to hit no real competition. They're not really going to compete at a at at with guys that's going to really dive into them and take it to their chest and to their body. But in the G League, you're going to get that night in and night out. Sides doesn't matter. You're going to get some hungry individuals because they sniffed out the opportunity of the NBA and they want it. Where I agree with Doug is that going to the G League should really just be for the true blue chip prospects. Now, I think he had some he had a beef a little bit with with Zion Williamson in particular. That you know we sh- maybe we shouldn't have used the example of Zion. He just came to my mind right off the bat because he's always on those videos and all that stuff. But um, if you're not a surefire NBA draft pick, you shouldn't go to the G League because Doug's right. Like if a guy you know gets to the college ranks, gets to the G League, maybe you realize that you're not as good as you thought you were, and instead of being able to you know take advantage of the scholarship and the education and all the other things that college basketball has to offer, then you should you, you should definitely stay. You should definitely go the college basketball route. But for the three or four prospects per year, use DeAndre Ayton as an example. Would DeAndre Ayton be better off having gone to the G League or played this season in Arizona? Now, he's still probably the number one overall pick, but I would argue that he would be better prepared to play in the NBA on day one if he had spent this year you know, for the L.A. Defenders rather than playing for Arizona. I would have to say the, the the defenders. If you if you look at Aiden, like what well, yeah. I mean, they end up they end up getting bounced early anyway. And look at all the adversity and things that he had to go through, swirling around the university with the coaching and all oh, the money. Other money kids. wouldn't be an issue if he's yeah. playing in the G League. Yeah. Take as much money as you want. Yeah, and he have a legal representation. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that and 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 what because we was arguing and debating, not arguing, but debating about you know what what we both thought and we was justifying our case. I wish I could have asked Doug and got to the point of what do he feel should change in the NCAA? 
because would, because guys are going to the G League now because this is the first wave of them. Like, all right, what what should change going forward? Then, do you think the system is it stands corrected, or do you think something else needs to change? Because I know that he has a broad perspective. I would have loved to ask him that. All right, we'll get into that a little bit when we come back. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. 877-996-6369. What changes should the NCAA make? And are they kind of faced with a potential you know, swell of players going to play in the G League following Darius Baisley's uh, uh, model, if you will, in going out there? We'll talk about that next. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Karan Butler, two-time NBA All-Star. NBA champion. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Let's grab a couple phone calls here uh, real quick. We've been talking about the uh, decision by Darius Baisley, the Syracuse commit who decommitted, decided to play in the G League before he goes pro a year. Karan has a strong opinion. I heard from Doug Gottlieb earlier. LB in Florida, you're up first. Hey, LB. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's going on? All right. Um, my thing is, from a from a team standpoint, I would want, a, say, a five star like Bagley. I would want him to go to the G League to work on his work, to work to work on the things he needs. But if I'm Bagley, why would I go to a grindhouse like the G League where you guys guys you got uh, adults in there scrapping and grinding trying to get paid? When I can go to Duke and be put on a pedestal, basically get the red carpet handed to me, get my money as a first pick. And then work out my work. And if, if, I, if it don't work out, I still have my contract to sit back on. But now I got to go back and prove myself against hungrier guys. For the, for the player, I can see it not being a good option. But for the team, I can see why they would want him to go to the G League. Well, thanks for the phone call, B. The, the Karan, I, I don't think it's a. I don't think you roll out the red carpet at Duke. You were talking about Chris Weber and what he was experiencing at Michigan. These guys. As much as we like, you know, as much as we hear the stories of, of guys getting X dollars to play at places, we see the FBI investigation going on now. I mean. You tell me, what was your college basketball experience like? Would you describe your time at UConn as being luxurious? No, it, it, it was far from it. And, you know, I appreciate the call in from LB. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, me and my lifestyle coming up. Ever since I jumped off the porch, I was exposed to certain things. And I grew up in, you know, in the inner city of Racine, um, just north of Chicago. And the things that I had to get accustomed to was so just just this off the grid and then now I'm on the college campus and I took my education seriously you know as a business major coming on there I was the first to go to a college so I wanted to be the best version of myself academically I wanted to play basketball I didn't know if I wasn't be a pro I already had a knee injury I had incidents where you know I grazed myself in the leg you know, at an early age. So, like, from a physical standpoint, I never knew that basketball would be something that I can do. I wanted to do it. It was a dream. But my mom, who raised me, my grandmother, who comes from the South, instilled certain things in me, talking about, look, use basketball as a tool to get the ultimate goal of which you want, and that's a free education. You'll be the first one to do that. So I was going into there with that type of perspective. Now, I was struggling. I didn't have resources. I didn't have things. I had to purchase my own shoes. We traveled a lot. You know, we had per diem. You know, that was minimum. Like, people people just don't really understand that 
It is trying when you're on a college campus, trying to make it as a collegiate athlete and not having all the resources at your leisure. And when you can just go, say if you had legal representation, Mm. you can just easily have a contract. You can have a compensation for your talents at an early age. Now you may influence a, a collegiate player to stay in the NCAA because it's no need to rush out that situation and run for the capital dollar. You don't have to, you know, and like he said, look, you're put on a pedestal. You can stay on this platform and dominate and continue to make money. But now the only people that's benefiting is the universities. Unfair. Yeah. And, yeah look, I mean, you're, you're put on a pedestal in the sense that you're playing in high profile games uh, you're getting interviewed in front of millions of people, but the lifestyle is not better than the G League in terms of travel. I mean, G League guys, they, they wind up staying at like Courtyard Marriott's and they do take buses and they do fly commercial, but it's 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 not like that's that, that it's not like that's a worse lifestyle than what guys are experiencing right now in college. I mean, guys in college, you know, they're. They're living in dorms still, for the most part, or off-campus apartments. I remember the Frank Kaminsky stories that were out there. I mean, just it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me about that. All right, we got to take a break. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. If you want to weigh on this next hour, we'll talk more about Loyola. Their run, it's over. Pretty impressive though. The championship game two on Monday. That's next. Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. All right, hour three. Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports. Karan Butler, two-time NBA All-Star, NBA champion. Joining you here from the Fox Sports Studios. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We'll get back into the discussion we've been having for most of the last couple of hours. Darius Baisley, Syracuse, bound, Syracuse bound, decommitted, going to the G League. Is that going to change the paradigm out there? In college basketball, could we see more Darius Baisley's in the years to come? We'll get back into that debate uh, a little bit later uh, in the show. NCAA championship game, that is on Monday. Michigan, they'll take on Villanova, the Final Four from last night. Uh, the first game, pretty good. Uh, Michigan comes back from, what was it, a double-digit uh, deficit in the second half to win that game against Loyola. Ends the Ramblers' uh, run in the NCAA tournament. Villanova, they blew out Kansas, and I'm not sure how you stop Villanova. Karam, what's more appealing to you, though, in, in a championship game format? Two Blue Bloods like Michigan and Villanova going at or would you have rather seen you know, Loyola get the opportunity at, at a championship? I like the David and the Goliath yeah. theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Butler-Duke yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, I love that concept. But then I also, I, I like both. And then I like the, the two heavy hitters, the heavy big-name universities, the best, the wealth of talent out there. And you know, letting the best players just, you know, hash it out and see whatever happened. But, you know, we're going to get a good championship game. And, you know, obviously I got Villanova winning it just because I think they're well coached. I feel like they possess a lot of versatility on that perimeter that can stretch you out. And that's my favorite. They should bring back the uh, Fab Five guys from Michigan. I know they wiped that from the books and all that crap, but they bring those guys back. I know Jalen Rose can't do it, I guess, because he's got that new show on ESPN, but bring that whole group of guys back if you can. Have them sit all behind the bench. Weber and, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Jim J- Jackson, Ray J- uh, was it, who were the, the fat Jimmy guys? Jackson. Uh, Jimmy, yeah. Jalen Rose. Yeah. yeah, man. Chris Weber. Jimmy King. Jimmy King. Yeah, Ray Jackson. Yeah, Ray Jackson, Jimmy yeah. King, those two guys. Jawan Howard. 
Yeah, Jimmy King's going to be on Fox Sports Radio a little bit later on uh, today. Okay, yeah, Bring all those guys back, man. Bring, put them all behind the bench. That would be fun to see, wouldn't it? Not happening. <laughs> you, you mean that Weber in – well, Jalen can't be there, like I said, but Weber and Jalen, I think they still can't be in the same room together. They're still not uh, – I don't think they're, they're, they're pals anymore. Yeah, and, and and that's unfortunate because you can't tell the story of, you know, you know, you talk about influence and college basketball and the players that had like just the everlasting influence on so many. Mm-hmm. You think about the Fad Five and the black socks and the long shorts and wearing the Air Force Ones and this that connection. You know, bringing that that you know seeing this believing approach to the game, man. Like they they inspire so many. Obviously, their influence and their impact on my life and my career was second to none. Uh, once I saw them out there with the baggy shorts and just, you know, having fun and just letting it all hang out on the biggest stage, I felt like, you know what, I can do that. So they sparked that dream to come true, and I, I appreciate them, but I don't see that happening, all of them coming together collectively and being behind any bench. Let me ask you this, because the uh, NBA, or the not the NBA, the Basketball Hall of Fame announced their uh, inductee, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Ray Allen, they all get in. Chris Webber did not get in. Do you think Chris Webber's a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. I, I really do. And, you know, you look at his body of work and what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, didn't win a NCAA title, but, you know, was on the biggest stage. Like like we just touched on, you can't tell the story of basketball, of you know, from the collegiate level without mentioning the Fad Five. Um, you look at what he's been able to accomplish, you know, in the NBA, multiple-time All-Star, you know, right there in the in the conference championship, uh, wasn't able to get over the hump, you know, against the, the Los Angeles Lakers. But his numbers was just astronomical and what he was doing at the four position and his versatility and the way he stormed and impacted the game of basketball and was hindered by a knee injury late in his career. He's just an amazing talent. He he'll get in at some point, definitely. You know, my my question, Karan, would be for the people that uh, for the committee that votes on all this, and and the voting is a secret. Like, there really isn't the, the transparency that you see in other Hall of Fame votings. But I'd like to know if they considered Weber's college career, because technically speaking, um, Weber didn't have a college career. I mean, because they were formally all his all the the, the accomplishments. Uh, were vacated. Uh, everything the Fab Five did on the court technically didn't happen and wiped from the books, even though we all know what they did. I wonder how that committee approached that part of all this. Did they say, you know what, screw it, we're not, we're not going to be beholden to what the NCAA says, or did they not include that at all? Because you know Weber's candidacy for the Hall of Fame, it, it, it's it's a lot of it is based on what he did in college basketball, all the things you said, plus. You know, we Yao Ming got into the Hall of Fame in part because of his cultural impact, right? I mean, Yao, statistically, you know, very good NBA player, probably not a Hall of Famer based on the statistic alone, but culturally, his impact, being that first big star to come over from China, that was a big reason he got into the Hall of Fame. Chris Weber and those Fab Five guys should get the same kind of consideration because of culturally how they changed the game and the impact they had on young kids like you and others in the community, I wonder if if the, if the voters there actually considered Chris Weber's college career, or if they went by the letter of the law and said, "Well, Chris Weber technically didn't have a college career, so all we have are his NBA numbers to look at." Yeah, and I, I think that's something that they're being extremely technical by going about. But nevertheless, he will get in at some point. 
He's a he was a great player. He's a, a great person. He's becoming to be even uh, unbelievable analyst on the sidelines, breaking down the game. And you know he's he's had his fingerprints and longevity in this space for a long time. So he's definitely going to get in at some point. Yeah, he does. He he's a. Uh... I mean, his 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 skill set is it was remarkable back in the day. You talk about what stretch fours have become, and Weber was never like a three point shooting guy, but uh, you know he was able to space the floor with that jump shot. He was able to play in transition, dribble, do a lot of things that have now become commonplace uh, amongst NBA uh, power forwards in uh, today's game. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Maddox, uh, Karan Butler, two time NBA champion here on Fox Sports Radio. So looking ahead, Karan. You know, Michigan, they'll step into the championship game against Villanova. And Michigan, look, props to them for, for coming back against uh, Loyola the way they did. But I don't know how they slow down Villanova. Nobody has been able to slow down Villanova in these last uh, these last couple of months. I mean, or, or last uh, couple of rounds. How do they – what's the game plan for Michigan? Is it play, you know, inside with, with Mo Buckets there, pound it? Or how, do they, how do they win? They just win by just playing well together. You know, they really do. They play – exceptionally well they do it by committee from an offensive standpoint and so many people just don't understand how important that is and then they have versatility they have a uniqueness to their team where you know Jay Wright has recruited guys that can create shots for not just themselves but other people they have a balance of scoring Brunson you know uh, Bridges Booth all these guys that can stretch you out facilitate and be extremely aggressive on the offensive end and defensive end. They strap up as well. People mm-hmm. talk about Kansas not being able to make shots and things like that, but they wasn't out there playing against ghosts. They was out there playing against live and active bodies that was imposing their will on that game. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be tough for them to uh, to, to slow down that Villanova offense. I mean, they just get they they go on three point shooting barrages uh, right now. Villanova seven point favorite going to the game on Monday night. They could blow that thing wide open just like they did uh, against Kansas. All right, quick update on the um, the Kawhi Leonard situation. We've been, we've been talking about this for the last uh, week or so uh, here and, and other places about Kawhi's injury. Kawhi has returned to New York where he was getting some testing done over the All-Star break. We thought he might be on the verge of coming back. Uh, he's not. He's uh, still dealing with this. Greg Popovich just spoke recently uh, Karan said he's there's been no word from Kawhi and his quote group in New York about his status. Pop said I don't know when he and his group are going to feel like they are ready to go. If I knew he'd be here when he and his group feel he's ready, then he'll be ready. Interesting choice of words by Greg Popovich when talking about his star player, his group, his people. This just makes me think Karan more and more that there really is some legitimate tension between Kawhi and that Spurs organization. Hey, listen, we said where smoke, there's fire, and it's definitely a situation over there that this haven't been resolved. And, you know, his representation now, who which uh, consists of his uncle, what I'm hearing with Ka- Kawhi Leonard, and, you know, the shots that has, that has been fired from Mano Ginobili and Tony Parker, mm-hmm. you know, speaking on the situation and, you know, Tony Parker coming out and saying, look, I had an injury like that, which was way worse. I don't know how he got into the body of Kawhi Leonard to understand that his injury was worse. But he spoke out being a good, you know, organizational guy and spoke out for them saying that their medical staff was amazing. 
But the thing that I question all the time, and this is no knock to the Spurs, but I question to anyone is that the the the, the team doctors always have the best interest for the team. So right. with that being said, it's it's always wise and it's smart to get second opinions. I always did. And in this case of Kawhi Leonard, it's, it's extremely uh, important and smart that he did that because the first evaluation was so off. It really was. And they, they said, you know, it, they warned that. He came back a little bit too soon. He was still hobbled. So he went and got a second evaluation from an independent doctor, and now that's the one he's going by. So we don't know. And he's not going to be the one to speak on it early. So we just have to wait. And hopefully he's back in the Spurs uniform this season, the second half of the season being the playoffs. Or if not, he's going to be back on the court next year, obviously, but hopefully he's healthy. I think if you're Kawhi Leonard, you have to look at Isaiah Thomas as an example of what can go wrong if you push through some stuff just to play in the postseason. I mean, Isaiah, look, he said it. If he could do everything all over again, he would go back and not play in the postseason because he thought that did more damage to his hip and eventually has you know turned Isaiah into what he is right now, a guy going into his contract year, maybe lucky to get a one-year, $8 million type of deal. This was a guy that, if he was healthy, would probably get you know $30 million per year over three years if he had hit free agency healthy last summer. So if you're Kawhi Leonard, understand there's a lot of pressure on you externally, but you got to do what's right for you, especially with 2019 coming up, and you in position to get a super max contract from San Antonio or somebody else that could be paying you $50 million per year at the end of that deal. you got to look out for number one there, Karan. Yeah, you're talking about a nine-figure deal, and I'm glad. I'm so glad you brought up IT, you know, mm-hmm. wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, health is wealth, man. Health is everything. You want to be out there. You don't want to be hindered. And as an athlete, people, you know, sometimes people just watch and just say, look, it's not a video game. You know, guys have feelings, guys have families. You got to support your family. And people just suspect you to just jump out there to the races and be out there on call. But that's not the case. And you just said it. You know, it cost him a, a, a ton of money going forward, IT. And he was the example, doing the better good for an organization. And the organization is always going to make the best business move going forward, which Boston did, and it seems to have been the best decision for them. Now, hindsight, everything 2020, but now players in other organizations learn from all experiences. And now you look at Kawhi Leonard and his situation, he don't want to be the next, the next story that people are talking about saying, why did he come back? All he had to do was just wait another month. He could have got ready for the next season. I mean, this season is in the can. And do anyone really think that the Spurs will legitimately knock off Houston? Can they beat Golden State, a healthy Golden State? Can they beat whoever comes out the Eastern Conference? Some would be, you know, the Spurs go. Go Spurs go will believe that. But in all actuality, can that really happen? And the best thing is to get your superstar player healthy. All right, 877-996-6369 is the phone number, 877-996-6369. We come back. Steve Kerr uh, was asked some pretty pointy questions about the protest in Sacramento, why Golden State and the team didn't participate in them when they were out in Sacramento. I'll play some of that audio for you next. Also, I want to get back into the Darius Baisley discussion. Could Darius Baisley decommitting from Syracuse, going to the G League, could we see a lot more blue-chip prospects do that? We'll do that more next. Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Mannix, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star, NBA champion. If you're like me and are not a big holiday food guy, 
Go over to Hooters. Try the new smoke wings. Whole new way to crave wings. With all the taste, half the calories, you can eat twice as many. It's over at Hooters. All right, so as we know, Karan, the Golden State Warriors are as socially active as any team in the league. They are not afraid to wade into polarizing issues. Uh, they're not afraid to challenge authority. They're very vocal and outspoken of the president. Um, during a recent trip to D.C., instead of visiting the White House, like in pre- previous NBA champions do, are the NBA champions do, uh, they decided to go into the D.C. area, and Kevin Durant and donated $10 million to the Prince County Schools, I mean, Prince George Schools. Uh, they do a lot of, of positive stuff, which is what made it so surprising that a reporter in Sacramento took a uh, adversarial kind of approach when asking Steve Kerr, the coach of the Warriors, about why Golden State wasn't present at the Matt Barnes-organized protest uh, over the death of uh, uh, the man in Sacramento that was uh, killed by police recently. Here's Steve Kerr and what he was asked. You don't think there's a contradiction there when you talk a lot about race or an issue like that, but then there's a march or somebody gets killed and you don't actually show up? You're serious? Yeah, I am. Okay. That's, it's up to each individual, you know, if he is going to pick his spots uh, to make his contribution to society. I'm very confident and comfortable in my own skin and our players' lives, uh, what they do for our communities, the way they speak out, the way I've spoken out. I feel very, very confident in uh, what we've tried to do. And I'm also very, very serious about my job. And uh, so you can balance that any way, which way you want. You can be accusatory if you'd like. I'm comfortable with with, uh, what our team does and with what I do. Karan, I don't know what you think about this, but I thought the question was just dumb. It just was a dumb, dumb question. Because, And to read the question back, if you didn't hear it the first time, the question was, you don't think there's a contradiction there when you talk a lot about race or an issue like that, but then there's a march and somebody gets killed and you don't actually show up. So what this this reporter for SB Nation is, is saying is that there's a measure of hypocrisy in the Warriors talking the talk, but when there's a march or something in, in that area, not being willing to walk to walk, which is absurd. Like, if there wasn't a game like that day, or if they weren't occupied with all this, do I think that many members of the Golden State organization would have shown up to that march? Yes, I do. Yes, I do believe that would have been the case. But even if they don't, and even if they didn't, this team has proven already that they do that they walk the walk here. The money that Durant and others have donated, all the stuff, Karan, that we don't know about, all the things behind the scenes that I'm sure have taken place to help inner city communities. To to accuse Steve Kerr and that team of not walking the walk there, I thought is absurd. Yeah, that's crazy. And people don't understand, like we touched on, Chris, is that so many players use their influence in other ways, and I touched on it earlier that you know the best form of giving is in is anonymous. They you don't have to let people know everything that you're doing to justify that you're a good person or you have your fingerprints involved in this case or you care. Like some people just do what's right because it's the right thing to do without posting it. Everything isn't an Instagram or a post or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I know these guys personally. You know, I know Draymond Green. I know Kevin Durant. I know Nick Young. I know JaVale McGee. They're passionate about being the influence that's been voided 
you know, when we was growing up. And once we got on this platform, we we all promised ourselves to not take it for granted, you know, and we have major influence. So you see guys that's taking it upon themselves and doing the right thing. You see Matt Barnes who's out there, you know, in the trenches and he's 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 talking and he's taking a stance and he did a march the other day and he rallied folks together saying, look, if if you're around in the Sacramento area, even if we have to pay, can you help us come out and pick up some chairs because we're doing the march for justice, equality. You know, this has to stop. And don't think for one second the players did not support Matt Barnes and his initiatives. He was on that team last year on the championship run team. You know, he had a lot of influence. He was a veteran guy on that squad. So all those things just, you know, that that comment, that that question was, you know, it, it, it was just crazy. And Steve Kerr, besides Coach Popovich, you know, Steve Kerr has been one of the, the guys who always walk that line and, and step out there on the limb for equality and justice in our country. Look, some people, too, would say it's easy to criticize the president because everybody does nowadays. But I would imagine, and look, we know these guys are on social media a lot. I mean, Kevin Durant has been on social media a little bit too much at times. But we know that these guys read, like, their mentions and look at the feedback. And I would imagine that some of the more outspoken guys, that they get a lot of nasty, racially charged, horrifying uh, things said to them on social media from people on the other side uh, of the argument. So th- they're stepping up in, in ways that maybe we don't even, uh, we can't even appreciate, honestly. And, and I'm not using this this time, this platform to kind of just blanketly defend NBA players for doing this. But that question bothered me because, you know, th- these guys in, in, in every possible, in every possible turn, these guys step up and, and do something positive for the community. Just So just not showing up for this for this march, and for whatever the reason, if it was because they had a shoot-around or because they had a practice, because they were traveling, that that in no way is should be a red flag about what the Golden State Warriors do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It shouldn't be a red flag. And, you know, the, the one thing that they, they don't do or they don't attend, we just quickly suggest that, you know, whatever, it's a red flag or – is well, how can they not be there? And this is the team that stands up for so much. No, it, listen, they can be there and be supportive in so many other ways besides being there physically. Obviously, you will want them there physically, but sometimes, you know, time or whatever the case may be. But best believe this team and guys on this team in that organization are backing and supporting that initiative and that stance. That was a wild scene in Sacramento, uh, the protest outside the Golden One uh, Arena there. And I thought the Kings actually, I mean, you played for Sacramento for Vivek Ranadive out there. And, and, and full disclosure, I've been pretty hard on Ranadive over the years. I, I, I think he's done some, some insane things uh, over the years. But I thought they handled it pretty well with uh, you know, you know playing the games in front of an empty building. And I, I give them a lot of credit for how they handled that whole situation. Hey, you, had, you had to handle it the... Um, the appropriate way and the thing that I was you know extremely impressed by is that you know when the owner uh you know Vec when he went down and and he went to the center stage and he addressed the crowd they're saying that you know this is not normal and he understand the pain and he talked about togetherness and equality in a moment where you know that's exactly what was needed that that, that needed to be said. We need yeah. we need to talk about togetherness. We need to talk about, you know, just staying together and staying the course and obviously something just, you know, a travesty this happened, but we have to stay together. 
All right, I want to get back into uh, what we were talking about before about Darius Baisley, the kid going down to the G League to play there instead of going uh, to Syracuse. A lot to dive into there. But first, let's find out what's going on in the world of sports. David Gascon, what do you got for us? Gentlemen, we got one game going on in the NBA. 76ers are in Charlotte battling the Hornets. and Ben. No Simmons. Joel Embiid. Oh, boy. It's all good. Ben Simmons is working on a triple-double right now. He's got 12 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds in Philadelphia. Leading right now about 6 68 to 62, 849 a play in the third quarter. In about 60 minutes from now, I get Houston and San Antonio. Spurs right now looking to obviously clinch a playoff spot. Rockets in a good spot as well. 12 games in a row they've won, looking to make it 13. Mavericks and Cavaliers later on today. OKC is at New Orleans. Unibrow stays as true. No shaving done there. Lakers and Kings tonight. Warriors and Suns at 8.30 Eastern tip-off time from Oracle Arena. Meanwhile, in Major League Baseball, Yankees leading the Blue Jays 4-1. Twins clubbing the baseball. Brian Dozier with a solo home run. Twins 6. Orioles nothing. Pirates on top of the Tigers 1-0 in game one of a doubleheader. Cardinals leading the Mets 3-1 in New York. Fellas? It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio, two-time NBA uh, All-Star Karan Butler, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part? Figuring out which way is easier. Now, Karan, we haven't talked about Markel Fultz, his uh, debut after missing 68 games this past week. But, of course, Fultz comes back, and in his second game back, he breaks Joel Embiid's face. Like, of course, Markel Fultz has... uh, has that happened to him? A snake-bitten season for Fultz extends over uh, to Embiid. Embiid out for at least the next two weeks after having surgery uh, on that face. But what did you think of what uh, Fultz looked like in his return? I thought he looked good. I thought he really looked good. I thought, uh, you know, in the limited minutes, you know, you want to be careful with him and, you know, bring him along slowly. But in the time that he played, you talk about, I mean, they're so huge on numbers and analytics. You know, under 15 minutes or whatever the case it was, had over seven or eight assists and double-figure points and just had his fingerprints all over the game. And then, you know, playing in the next game, he showed a lot of flashes. And then in Atlanta the other day, he he was extremely uh, aggressive, had a two-hand dunk. And I just, I just feel like he has a unique ability to get into the paint. He's a playmaker. He needs the ball in his hand. He's not he's not a finisher yet because he's not, you know, that confident in his shot, which most young players take time, but man, he can play. He can play the game of basketball and I need to see a more more of a steady dose of him to really assess his talent, but you know, from from being in on the collegiate level at Washington, you know, I love this game. His body control it, it reminds me a lot of Chris Paul because he just has a way of of probing the paint kind of in slow motion in the way that Chris does. He's not, I mean, he's athletic, of course, but he's not a Russell Westbrook type athlete or a young Derrick Rose type athlete. But he's 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 very savvy when he gets in the paint. What what's gonna have what's gonna decide or make or break Markel Fultz is that shot. I mean, in the four games he's been back, he hasn't attempted a single three pointer, and sometimes Karan that means that. You know, 40% of the lineup on the floor can't shoot threes when you factor Ben Simmons into the mix. Today's NBA, you're not going to win anything with, with guys, with, with, you know, two guys, your two perimeter guys unable to, uh, to even attempt or make a, a three point shot. That's going to be the part of his game. You mentioned him still being a little uncomfortable with his shot. I don't know if it's a mental block. 
I don't know if it's physical and he's still trying to get over it. Whatever it is, he's got to become at least a 35% three-point shooter or he's not going to make in this league. Yeah, and playing in that system with, you know, uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and he's going to have the ball so much, and you touched on uh, Ben Simmons not being able to shoot. You don't want to have two or three guys in the lineup that can't really shoot the ball. So you need to become so defendable, system. easily defendable, yeah, right? Yeah, you can pack the paint. You can pack the paint. And that's why Joel Embiid is so special because – you know, big guys are not mobile enough to move with him, and then when you put someone mobile enough to stay with him, he can take them in the paint and, you know, uh, just pound them and get to the paint, get to the foul line. He's a he's, he's more than that above-average free-throw shooter. He can stretch you out. So he needs that real estate to operate, and he is the guy on the team. So you need that that, that the shot makers, uh, the spacing of a J.J. Redick and a Marco Bellinelli in order to be effective. I love what I see from Donovan Mitchell out in Utah, but I'll tell you, the fact that Ben Simmons is like a walking triple-double and he can't shoot from beyond 15 feet is really something to watch. I mean, teams do back all the way off on him. Like you say, pack the paint. That's what they do when when Ben Simmons is out there. They got one foot in the paint while he's out on the floor, and he's still able to get into the lane and create offense. I mean, I I don't know know what kind of shooter he's going to become, but if he can just be a a nominal threat out there beyond the three-point line, he, he... he has a chance to be one of those, you know, transcendent, you know, kind of LeBron air type of players. I would, I, I, I would have to say that, and you know, LeBron is a guy that he's not going to give too much props to anyone, but the young talent that I did see him, you know, just he was in awe of, and maybe it's because they were at the same agency, but LeBron paid a lot of homage to Ben Simmons and what he loved about his game. And he's aggressive. He goes downhill. He's a big body. Um, LeBron has a lot of influence on him, and he has so many similarities. Now, LeBron was able to hit shots, you know, from the perimeter. That's something that I haven't seen Ben Simmons uh, do yet, but I think going forward, because he's going to be working out, he's going to be in the lab with, you know, guys like LeBron and stuff like that. I think he's going to get better at that, and he has no ceilings on what he's capable of doing going forward in his future. Yeah, it's incredible talent. All right, Darius Baisley is the Syracuse commit who is going to be playing in the G League next year, decided to forego college, can't isn't eligible for the NBA draft, but can go play in the G League. The salary's there, around thirty grand per year, but they can get endorsement money, they can get sneaker deals, they can do commercials, they can do a whole bunch of stuff that'll ratchet up uh that pay uh to, to more than six figures if you're uh <clears throat> excuse me, if you're the right kind of of talent. The question I have for you, Karan, is how should the NCAA respond to all this? Because right now it's just one guy, right? This is the first uh, blue chip prospect, a five star recruit who is uh, going to go play domestically. We've seen guys go international. Brandon Jennings, a great example of that. Uh, a couple others over the last 10 years. But this is the first guy to try the G League route. If he's successful, it could open the floodgates for other blue chip prospects to say, you know what? I'm better off going to play in the G League than I am in the NBA or I am in college because I want to play in the NBA someday. How does the NCAA respond to this? What can they do to prevent all the stars from going to the G League? You can take a serious look at the system. You you have to take a a, a realistic look at the system and what's in place and what has been in place pretty much uh forever. You know, when you when mm-hmm. when you're talking about forever, that's that's a long time. That's something that has to be addressed. You have to talk about the the times and 
you know, what's important and, you know, the the kids. Like people always say it's all about the kids. And what and what Doug had said when he came on is that, look, going to a prestigious university like a Duke, playing under a coach like Coach K, the legendary Coach K, a Hall of Famer, and having that wealth of basketball knowledge, having the college experience, I get it, I understand it. But you're talking about so, so many of these kids that's being exposed, being mistreated. You're talking about the talent, which the evaluation of the talent talent that's on this platform is not being respected. Coaches are being paid millions of dollars. Universities are being paid millions, multi-million dollar deals from shoe companies and et cetera. They're retaining so much money collectively from these children. Billions of dollars the NCAA is bringing in, TV deals, et cetera, and then you're not compensating the talent at all. You're giving them a platform, and you're saying, look, it's a great experience. You're selling you on the experience and the, and the possible chance of you getting the education. But if you're Kyrie Irving and you play in 11 games and, and, and you start eight for Duke and you know you're going to be a pro anyway, what's the difference of you going to what's, – what's the huge difference of you going to the G League and having legal representation, getting 20-plus 20, 20 million dollars, and then now having the chance to uh, have legal representation that, that you can get a shoe deal, you can get endorsement deals already. So now you're making millions off the court and you're playing against the best comp. Some people don't want to be held on a pedestal and just play against, you know, marginal competition with, you know, lack of a better words of, you know, no skill set. And and you dominate and you're not really getting better if you're thinking about longevity in that space. But you can go to the G League and play with people that's going to enhance your your, your skill set. Guys that been through the trenches. You, you you develop all those things that you didn't develop on the AAU circuit. You play against competitive people every day, night in and night out, no matter the size. I think that's it's it's a game changer thing. If it works, it's going to be a huge success, and I think the NCAA is going to have to really address some of the things in their system. I think what's overlooked too, and and look, I'm more on your side of this than than the argument you had with uh, Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb believes that there's more of a benefit in going to college and 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 being tutored under you know college coaches and having the college experience than going to the G League overlooked in, in in some of these these G League coaches you know many of them of course come from NBA staffs most of them come from NBA staffs most of the guys that are were coaching in the G League now return now the G League season is winding down they return to the NBA staffs that they came from and spend the rest of the season uh working there but you know these guys the 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 young assistants that are are coaching these teams, they benefit if they can take a a blue chip prospect and make him better. That helps them too because they can be the coach that you know took a let's use Simmons as an example. Say Simmons spent the entire year in the G League when he was at LSU instead of uh, instead of going to LSU, stay in the G League. Imagine being the young coach that said I I helped Ben Simmons jump shot. I developed that jump shot. So there's there's a there's a bonus for them. In developing these guys, the same type of stuff not in college. I mean, Jim Calhoun, you talked about it on the show. Jim Calhoun's job was to win college basketball games with you. He was to it was to develop you as a player, but all in the purpose of of serving the UConn program. These coaches, the G League coaches, their goal is to develop this player into an NBA player. And I think that's a, a serious advantage that guys aren't taking advantage of and, and would benefit from and will benefit from if, if more guys go into the G League. Yes, I think you're talking about coaching and 
you, look, you don't know if someone's going to be a pro. So, like you touched on, some of the college coaches, when you come in there, Calhoun, he knew that I had a a eighty percent chance of being something at the next level. But you're you're you're, you're focusing on making sure that you're well-rounded, that you're the best version of yourself on and off the court. That was his job, and he did an amazing job of preparing me for life. But when I went to the NBA and I got under the arms of Pat Riley and Keith Askins and Bob McAdoo and Eric Spostra and Stan Van Gundy, all those names resonate, right? Because those are names of guys that just put their fingerprints and dove into the basketball components of my game teaching me the angles, teaching me how to come off screens, how to set screens, the importance of, you know, balance and all these things. And then it prepared me to be the best possible professional athlete that I'm, I was capable of being. And then it also taught me a lot about hunger and desire and consistency and about preparation, you know, all those things. So you can get that immediately. You know, because a lot of these guys coming from AAU programs and things like that that never been told the realities or the truth or the situation, they always, you know, being told how good they are. And you need, you know, people with that background and that real knowledge, that wealth of knowledge to really insert it in you and help you be a better version of yourself. I really believe that if if Darius Baisley is successful, that we're going to see – two more guys do it in the coming years, and then maybe three or four. I think guys need to see, you know, kind of how this all plays out. But if Darius Baisley winds up making, like, $250,000 from endorsements, and this is all going to get out. So if he winds up making two hundred fifty grand based on endorsements, and he improves his game, and he winds up being, like, a top-five pick in the 2019 NBA draft, I think we're going to see a lot more guys come in. That's a big problem uh, for the NCAA. All right, 877-996-6369 is the phone number. 877-996-6369. We come back. LeBron James uh, has has made it known who he thinks the MVP should be uh, this season. And uh, you'd be interested to know what the answer is. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. LeBron James. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. That's Tom Petty. Man. Rest in peace, Tom Petty. Great show. Every show Tom Petty ever put on. I've been to about a dozen of them. So good. You ever go to see Tom Petty, Karan? Did I ask you this last week? Yes. Yeah. I have not. You have not. That's right. Yeah. But I'm feeling it, though. I'm vibing. I'm feeling it. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely feeling Tom it. Tom right now. There you go. Uh, Chris Maddox, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star NBA champion here. Karan's going home to have a nice family lunch. I'm going to go maybe to Hooters. Because you got to get to Hooters. Try the new smoke wings. Whole new way to crave wings. With all the taste, half the calories, you can eat twice as many over at Hooters. <laughs> now we're talking. You vibing. I see it. I am, dude. I'm just sitting here. It's like, feels like I'm back at the Boston Garden listening to him. I saw his, I think it was his second to last show, third to last show before he passed. It was awesome. He is awesome. I might have to look at some live footage of him. <laughs> I am, I am like it, going to Hooters might have been a little bit of hyperbole, but I am going home, Karan, and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to just eat General Gao chicken and pass out of my couch. That's my the rest of my day. That's what it looks like. Watch a little basketball at night. I'm going to watch you on TV a little later on on League Pass. So uh, I'll toss that on later on. But that's that's the rest of my day. Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> you know, we were talking about Darius Baisley and, and his decision to go to the G League. I, I was just scrolling through Twitter during the break. This is the time of year, too, when 
all these underclassmen declare for the draft, right? So you get all these kids. I just saw like Jonathan Gaboni uh, over at uh, at Draft Express reported that Jacob Evans from Cincinnati he's going to go into the NBA draft. It always amazes me that when the draft actually happens, the NBA sends out that list, right, of all the guys that have declared. It's usually like sixty or forty-five to fifty underclassmen, you know, twenty-five to thirty uh, international guys, and the the upperclassmen, the seniors that are entering the draft, the whatever number of, of, of them are out there. The draft is only 60 picks. And I often wonder if about the advice that some of these underclassmen are getting, who they're listening to, who the who should they be listening to? I mean, you, you're a guy, Karan, that came out uh, of college uh, early. I mean, how difficult a time of year is it for these guys in terms of what they're hearing, who should they should be listening to? Well, what's it like? It's, it's extremely tough because you're, you're listening to, obviously, the, the people that's most important in your life, you're listening to your circumstances. You're listening to what what could you change in your circumstance in your every day. You know, at the time, me, I had a, a, a daughter. You know, I was in college. I was a 19-year-old kid in college, and I had an opportunity to make millions of dollars and change, be the first generation of riches in my family, and I'd be able to take care of my mother, my daughter, and my grandmother. You know, we had circumstances that was just, you know, Money could fix a lot of things at the time. And I think that guys are looking at, you know, because circumstances and communities still haven't changed, I think guys are looking at, you know, creating a better life for their loved ones, creating a better life for their self. Um, and also just the experience. We talk about college. You know, some people, if you had an unbelievable experience on a college campus, you don't want to leave. But then – you know, you look at all the, the unknowns and the expectations and then you look at draft boards and where you, you know, where you place. And there's no clear-cut favorites outside of about 10 to 12 guys. So it's wide open. It's, it's an open opportunity. If you have a, a talent and an edge and, you know, you can impose your will in some workouts, you know, you can make it happen. Did you Were you looking at draft boards back in your day? Were you scrolling through ESPN.com looking at the uh... – Mock drafts? I looked at some of the credible ones. I looked at situations, and I was like, okay, cool. All right, they got this guy ahead of me. All right, coach, uh, uh, I talked to my representation. Hey, put me in a workout with him and let me put on my demonstration, and then <laughs> we'll go from there. As someone that did mock drafts back in the day for Sports Illustrated, people shouldn't read these mock drafts because I got lied to more than, than ever in my life than doing these mock drafts. Boom. Uh, Kar- Karan, happy Easter, man. Enjoy with the family. Enjoy later on tonight. It was good to catch up with you. Likewise. Happy Easter, everyone. Next week, Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits. LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, 
You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.